Went about as terribly as it could have in Boston for the Blue Jays. Hello and welcome to episode 267 of section 138. Um, it doesn't get much worse than this for the Blue Jays. Uh, Fenway is kind of reverted to being a house of horrors again for Toronto. Uh, I'm not even going to ask how you are, but I I don't know. Where do you want to start? <laughs> like, oh. I, I don't know even... How do you even go about unpacking what just happened over the last four days? Well, I mean, it's one of the biggest swings I think we've seen in a long time. I mean, a, yeah. not even a week ago we were here, and we were talking about how perfect the rotation's been, how effective the bullpen's been, and then, of course, on top of that, how good the Jays have played against the Red Sox the last couple of years. And, I mean, all that just kind of reverse course, like every <laughs> single factor about that. And uh, we really, really got the other end of it these past four days. It was not pretty. Uh, by far, I think, without a question, at the, to this point, the worst series of the season for them so far. Yeah, that's easy, without a doubt. It is blown out of the water. You may have met, noticed, but we don't have Jacob with us this week. He's absent. He's probably mourning the uh, Leafs loss tonight, 3-2 <laughs> to the Panthers. And uh, as I'm sure a lot of Toronto fans are right now, um, yeah, I, don't, I guess we can start with the starting pitching because that's kind of what stands out. I know, like, basically nothing was working. I think, okay, I think we can start off by saying that the offense was relatively good this series. The offense wasn't the reason that they lost any games, right? You look at scoring, was it six runs in the first game, five runs in the second game? Um, how many, I forget how many they scored in game three, but in game four they end up with five runs. So good offensive output overall across a form game series you can't blame the blue jays lineup for not performing what you can blame is the pitching you can blame the the uh the the starting pitching you can blame the bullpen and you can certainly blame the defense because the defense broke down at a lot of points throughout the series so let's start with the starting pitching because we saw everyone except for bassett and everyone did not have a good start everyone kind of collapsed especially we saw it in the final game with Kevin Gosman giving up eight runs, which is very out of character for him, or at least, you know, early in this season. He's had two blow-ups, the first in Houston, now in Boston. Um, I don't know. Like I said this last episode, but I think I I need a couple times through the rotation to notice a trend. And certainly the Blue Jays are putting up a trend right now in terms of the aggregate starters not doing well. But I think in terms of individual trends, I'm not concerned individually about Barrios or Kikuchi or Manoa or Gosman until I see this pattern repeat itself a couple starts in a row and until we get that point I'll I'll panic when we get to that point but right now individually I'm not worried the worry does come in the aggregate right the stress that having all these starters put up these terrible performances the stress that that puts on the bullpen and that now we're seeing that stress translate to the bullpen and seeing the bullpen collapse in a lot of instances. So I think that's where 
My concern lies with this series and, you know, the fact that you don't have an off day, you're going to Pittsburgh, you're going to have to rely on Chris Bassett, and I think it'll be Barrios and Kikuchi in games two and three to get the Blue Jays back to some kind of norm in the bullpen. And then you also have Zach Pop, who looks like he's going to be headed to the IL, and then you have all these guys who aren't rested, and so you kind of end up in this situation where the ball is rolling down a hill and it's just snowballing at this point. So that's kind of my general thoughts. That's kind of word vomit on the Blue Jays pitching and where everything is right now. I'm curious what you make of all of it and where you see the starting pitching fitting into this picture of Blue Jays pitching collapsing over the last five days. Well, it's one thing of them feeding into each other, like you were talking about. I mean, individually, yes, I think it's going to be fine with all these guys. But, I mean, you were talking about the trend of it and everything like that. And, I mean, just this turn through the rotation was just a disaster. I mean, you pretty much uh, mentioned it right off the top. And, of course, it was pretty much evident throughout this entire series of how bad it truly was. And, I mean, you talk about Game 1 with Jose Barrios, Game 2 with Kikuchi, Game 3 with Manoa, and then, of course, stay with Kevin Gosman. All these pitchers allowing at least five earned runs. And, of course, Alec Manoa allowed five, but two of them were earned. And then, of course, Kevin Gosman today in the Thursday game allowed six. So, right off the bat, that's 21 earned runs uh, in these four games from your starting pitching alone. And then there's another eight runs, I believe, uh, that came from the bullpen. So, that's, I mean... That's ridiculous uh, in a four-game series, and it's something where it's so much, or it happens so much that, I mean, it can only go up from here now in terms of what's happening this weekend. And then the other concern I have, and of course it's pretty much or something that you touched on a little bit as well, is the lack of innings all of these starts came along with it. I mean, I don't think any pitcher got into the sixth inning in these last four days, and of course that feeds into the bullpen like you were talking about. Guys are unavailable this day. Guys are unavailable that day. Zach Pop is now going basically going to the IL, which means there's going to be a roster move. Somebody new is going to be coming up from AAA Buffalo. Where does he fit in? When is he going to pitch? Is it going to depend on the availability? Is he going to be forced to you know pitch in spots that probably would not be ideal if everyone else was healthy? I think or available, I should say. And I think that's going to be a, definitely a question mark this uh, upcoming weekend. And of course, the one thing to fight that, or the one thing to pretty much try to limit that as much as you can, is pretty much bouncing back with this starting rotation. And again. You can only go up from here in terms of everyone allowing at least five earned runs. And, of course, just eating innings, I think, is going to be very crucial. I mean, I wouldn't – for Chris Bassett to go out there tomorrow night on Friday night, I mean, I, I think that they're going to push him as much as he can go, regardless of how his start goes. And I think we've seen that a couple times this year, of course. They did that pretty much both times when Kevin Gosman's had bad starts. The one in Houston, they pushed him as much as they can go, despite how many earned runs he allowed. And then, of course, today as well in Boston, they did the exact same thing. So I think we're going to see a lot of that throughout the – first couple of days but of course with that they got to be effective and they got to be ready to go because that's the last thing they want to do they want to be pitching so good where you know they're pitching deep into these games they're getting quality starts and something and that's something a week ago that we were seeing I mean that's how quick of a, or a drastic change this happened I mean the, a week ago we there was so many stats about you know the quality starts the ERA and it's just the fact you went from here all the way back down to the bottom is just it's bizarre of how like it just it doesn't feel like that's something that's very common at all and it feels like it's really something that's really rare in terms of four guys just 
basically feeding off of each other in terms of performance. And unfortunately, it was just disappointing throughout this uh, this week. And I think, you know, the way the Sunday game went last week against Seattle, I mean, you had to imagine that this team was going to try and, you know, be ready to come out uh pretty much the next day in Boston and pretty much get back on track after how that uh, loss happened. And I mean, they, it was kind of just a continuation of what happened. But of course, it is a key point to mention what you did off the top is that as much as the pitching was the issue, it wasn't the offense uh, whatsoever. As much as, you know, you can nitpick things here and there. I mean, they were scoring their runs uh, like you were talking about. It was six runs in game one, five runs in game two, three runs in game three. And then, of course, today was five runs despite being losing 11-5. So the runs were coming from the offense. I mean, they might not have been like through the roof, but I mean, there's still a decent amount of runs and should be with this pitching staff enough runs to win a ball game. So I think that's the one thing where you can look at that and be fine or kind of just be satisfied with one thing with the offense. And then if you really want to focus on the offense in terms of individual players, of course, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. homers a couple times throughout the series. And I think the one highlight and the one positive takeaway for me coming out of this series is the improvement over the last week of Dalton Varsho. So hopefully that can all connect to each other and kind of revert or in terms of the pitching kind of come in line now altogether uh, to pretty much this upcoming weekend. And I think after that, they should be back on track because there's no question they're in a rut right now and it can only go up from here. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Zach Pop and his seemingly impending trip to the injured list. You'll probably know by the time you're listening to this what's happening with him and who's getting called up. But just for the sake of argument, like where do the Blue Jays go with Zach Pop? Like if he's bound for the injured list, which it seems he does, what are the options in AAA or coming off the injured list that the Blue Jays can turn to to get some stability in the bullpen? Like, obviously, the names that immediately come to mind are the two guys that are injured right now, and that's Mitch White, who is, as I understand it, pitching in AAA right now with the Buffalo Bison, so it looks like he's almost on his way back. He's appearing in a game tomorrow, May 5th, Friday, so that doesn't really line up if you're trying to bring up a guy who's rested and not immediately throw him into the fire. So maybe that rules him out as an immediate fix. And then Adam Simber is the other guy who's been rehabbing. Last we heard, he was in Dunedin with the Blue Jays at that level. So I don't know if he's ready to return just yet. So again, maybe not a short-term fix that the Blue Jays can turn to. And once you rule those guys out, you're looking at relievers at the AAA level. I mean, you've got Jay Jackson down there as one of the guys who might be in the mix. Um, no matter what, no matter who you turn to, there's no ideal solution, right? There's not a guy who was pushing the envelope like Nate Pearson was when Adam Simber had hit the injured list. And now we're in a situation where the Blue Jays are kind of scrambling and you're not going to be able to find a guy who can plug that hole and keep the bullpen working as a well-functioning machine. You're going to maintain this state that we're in now which is no one's well rested no one is perfectly healthy and no one is pitching well and so you have nowhere to turn in a close game and so I think that's my biggest worry with the sack pop hitting the injured list is that there's no one who can replace him and bring some level of stability not that you're going to get a great guy replacing him with a triple-a guy but Nate Pearson in that case was as stable as an option as they come in an injury replacement so I don't know. I think that's my biggest concern with Zach Pop hitting the injured list. I don't know if you have any more optimism on where the Blue Jays' bullpen is right now or if you're just as concerned 
as I am with Pop headed to the IL. Most likely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think John Schneider teased it saying it didn't look great. It didn't feel great. I mean, that's pretty much an indication of what's coming tomorrow. And, of course, I'm sure they've already going to make – they'll probably make a decision by tonight. And, of course, like you were saying, by the time this episode's out, we're already going to pretty much know an answer. But, I mean, it's it relates to the the one big thing I think we kind of all talked about in the spring is that if there's a rotation – or a, an injury, of course, this was more – related to the starting rotation, but even including the bullpen right now, the options aren't exactly through the roof in terms of what you have on your depth chart. Uh, they're, they're just not. And of course, I mean, I think if you're really looking internally, which most likely you're going to have to do, and if, if we're assuming that Mitch White's not going to be ready uh, by the weekend, despite him being close to returning, uh, I do agree that it probably would be a guy like Jay Jackson that you see. Of course, he was a guy that uh, pretty much elected free agency near the end of the spring, because he didn't make the team, but then the Blue Jays quickly re-signed him to a minor league deal, and they added him on the 40-man roster right away, too. So that move comes easy um, in terms of that. I mean, you look at, at just, to sh- just to explain again, the lack of depth that there is. I mean, the next guy up that I can pretty much only look at that seems to have a decent chance would be a guy like Trent Thornton, too. And I don't think that's one thing that, with all due respect to him, that's I don't think that's a name that we're exactly praying for or to be called up uh, as an injury replacement. And, of course, just the lack of depth that comes with it uh, behind that. So, I mean, there's other options, too. I mean, we've talked about guys that were starting or starting in AAA Buffalo. Who knows if they would move to a bullpen role with this team? You know, there's names like uh, Zulietta, there's Zach Thompson, there's Thomas Hatch, and I don't think that's a thing or an option that the Jays would want to go down either in terms of that route. So, it definitely leaves a lot of question marks in terms of what comes with that. And then the other thing you look at um, is just, I guess, where everyone stands as well now. If you look at the bullpen without Sack Pop, of course, he's been struggling the last few outings, but he's been a guy that is started to be relied on a little bit more in higher situations. That's just how they've been making those decisions. And uh, it's just that's minus one guy now in terms of who you've been you know, relying to in key moments more than others. So, and that's outside of Eric Swanson and Jordan Romano. So there's a lot of question marks that come with that. And of course, there's a lot of uncertainty that comes with that as well in terms of the pitching, the starting pitching. Uh, if there's another situation like we saw these past four days this weekend in Pittsburgh, uh, this this weekend in Pittsburgh, what's going to happen in terms of a game plan like that? There's a lot of question marks with not a lot of off days coming up uh, at the moment in terms of at this point in the schedule, especially, I mean, a tough weekend coming up against the Pirates who have gotten out to a really good start. So this isn't exactly going to be an easy test. I know they were just swept by the Rays as well, so they're probably going to be looking to rebound a little bit as well. So it should be a very competitive weekend in terms of hard games that the Jays are going to have to try and find or try to pretty much try and win. And of course, they're going to have, uh, they're going to have to, go through a team that's had a really good start to the year. And then behind that, it comes with the mystery of who's coming up for Zach Pop. And uh, in terms of the confidence level from this bullpen right now, it might not be exactly as high as it was about a week ago, just because of all the um, the reasons we explained, because of the fact that guys like Jordan Romano and Eric Swanson are pitching so much that you know every third day or whatever it is, they're unavailable, and then there's going to be days where you got to turn to other guys to try and get you to win the games, and, and unfortunately, that hasn't worked out when they've done that, uh, especially over the last week, and you've got guys that you were expected to rely on at the beginning of the year who have just not pitched well whatsoever. I mean, Anthony Bassett, another rough series. I look at that as I one of them. I just, yep. His appearance in today's game 
was good. Was I better. think it was three up, three down. Although it he was. gave up, a, there was a ball on the warning track, I think. And that's going to be a guy that you might have to rely on now, too. So a little bit more than you were, I guess, in the situation as of today on Thursday and then before that. So we'll see what happens with that. But, I mean, you just look at names, and I, th- for me, my gut feeling is it likely would be a guy like Jay Jackson that comes up, and we'll see what happens with uh, pretty much from, from there. Yeah, I think Hagen Danner is also a name that's been yeah. tossed around, friend of the pod from back in whenever he was drafted, 2019, a while ago as a catcher. Um, yeah, I think like <laughs> if we're looking for positives, and there aren't many, but if we are looking for positives, I've got three for you. The first is Anthony Bass had a good appearance today, and maybe we can <laughs> start looking for uh, you know a little bit of an upward trajectory for from him over the next couple of appearances. I really, really doubt it, but maybe that's one thing we can keep our eye on. The second positive lining that I have is that the Blue Jays do have two off days next week. So they got the series in Pittsburgh, and then they got an off day Monday, and an off day Thursday, and then a two-game series against Philadelphia sandwiched in there. So if you can get through this series against Pittsburgh with, I, I guess, surviving, like if you can win two of three, great. If you win one of three, whatever, Pittsburgh's hot enough. If you can get through this series against Pittsburgh alive, you can take a day off on Monday, recalibrate, reset things, and hopefully get your bullpen in a spot where you're in position to win one or both those games in Philadelphia. You get another off day Thursday, and then you're gearing up for a tough homestand against the Atlanta Braves, against the New York Yankees, and against the Baltimore Orioles. And the Orioles don't look now, but they're in second place in the AL East. The Blue Jays are now in fourth place. In the AL East, the Boston Red Sox passed them with this series sweep. So it's a tough homestand once you get through the series against Pittsburgh and against Philadelphia. But if you can survive that series in Pittsburgh, if you can use the off days around the series in Philadelphia to get a little bit better and a little bit more rested, maybe, just maybe, you can be in a good position to start that series against the Braves on, I guess it's about a week from now. It's uh, May 12th is what it'll be. So... That's a lot of maybes, that's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts, but if you get yourself in an enviable position, you could be happy with where you are by that point. The third silver lining I had was that regardless of how thin we may think the bullpen is right now, I ultimately don't think the bullpen's success is about the bullpen, if that makes any sense. I think the bullpen's success is reliant on how the starting pitching performs. Like, the Blue Jays are not a team that's constructed for the bullpen to have success. They've never been that type of team. But right now, if their starting pitching reverts to what it was in the month of April, especially, you know, that 8-9 game stretch where they had stellar appearances from everyone, if you revert to what you were then and you get 5-6 innings out of every starter, then all of a sudden your bullpen looks great again. You have Jordan Romano in the ninth inning. You have... I mean, maybe you can juggle it a little bit, but Swanson slash Garcia in the eighth inning. You've got, I mean, no longer Pop, but you got Pearson in the mix. You got Mesa in the mix for some of those lower leverage situations. All of a sudden, once you start getting five or six innings from the starters, the bullpen suddenly looks great again. So I think that's really what this boils down to. If the starting pitching can revert back to what it was, or at least some semblance of what it was, the bullpen starts to look a lot better. And I think it's a lot more likely that we start to get better appearances from the starters than we start to magically get more depth in the bullpen. So 
that's what I'm kind of hanging my hat on right now. Hopefully things improve there. So a couple silver linings, but again, a lot of if, ands, or buts that all of this is conditional on. Yeah, the one thing though that it, it does it it is a very good point is that but when the certain rotation has pitched well, basically the bullpen success, like that's all been proven already over the last week, which is good. And it just shows that if that does happen again, which it probably will, of course. I mean, it's very hard to do what they did the last four days and keep that consistent. <laughs> like let's be let's be real in terms of that, in terms of just the lack of success they did have uh, this week against the Red Sox. I mean, as much as you don't, I, I think there's definitely a little bit of it that does kind of just translate to the Red Sox being very good offensively. I mean, they were pretty much talking about it a ton today on the uh, on the telecast about being third and you know overall in runs and all that. So I'll give them a little bit of that in terms of it's a way better offensive team, I think, and I think uh, they definitely deserve some credit on that. But I mean, a lot of it more should be better results from this starting rotation, of course. And that was one thing that was the strength of this team or coming into the season, everyone talked about it. It still should be a good strength of this team. And I think, again, we've already seen it in terms of how they've pitched uh, in a certain stretch of the season so far. And, I mean, if they can bring that back, which, again, they probably will, maybe not to that extent, but in terms of not giving up five runs and all that and just pitching way better, uh, for pretty much from what we all understand, I think this bullpen will be much better. And, of course, when it did happen, it was rolling out 15 scoreless innings, uh, pretty much what happened last week. So that's why it's going to be, um, it's it's going to translate into one, pretty much into each other. And of course, this upcoming weekend is going to be a good way for them to get back on track. It's just the biggest fear for me, and it's what we've been talking about, is they got to find a way to get through this. And they really, really are relying on a good performance from the start, uh, starting pitching this weekend. And of course, it starts with Chris Bassett on Friday night. So I think that's the biggest uh, question mark just because we need to obviously let this play out in terms of how this certain rotation is going to do. But if, if they come out and pitch way better, which we are expecting them to do, then the bullpen should have less innings to work with. And of course, it should be better uh, pretty much than what we've seen over the last four days. So I definitely do uh, agree in terms of that just because we've already seen that. And of course, it shouldn't be... It's just, it's, it's just bizarre for me still to think about what we saw these last four games. Like, I mean, I'm not one to turn off the TV early in terms of the lack of, or just the the quality of play. But, I mean, it was very tempting, especially game three and four, and just in terms of how ugly it was. And, of course, there was one game, too, that just included a bunch of errors. It just it – just, it, it looked like a completely different team from what we saw uh, at the beginning of April and, of course, even almost as up to a week ago, pretty much to see what type of team uh, this was. It's just – it's really bizarre of how different they looked this week. And, of course, they're in a huge rut – and uh, they're going to get out of it at some point. Like, let's be let's be real in terms of the grind of 162. We know that this is going to come. It's just definitely uh, a tough stretch in terms of how it pretty much was the same result four days in a row. Yeah, I'm not one to turn off the TV either, but I'll tell you, once it was 8-1, like, it was very, very tempting. And 8-1, that's a score that we hear a lot about on this podcast. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, like, those especially being in the ballpark for games two and three. And it was, I'll tell you, not great weather at Fenway. It was cold and it was rainy. I was cheering for those games to end. I wanted to get the hell out of there. Um, as did, I'm sure, a lot of Blue Jays fans who were in the ballpark. And there was a fair number. There always is in Boston. Um, but yeah, like it's 162. It will turn around at some point. Just as quickly as it turned around on Sunday. The Blue Jays will start doing well again and will be here enjoying it. But, 
you know, this is the nature of 162. And if it becomes a longer trend, I think if this goes on and extends through the series against Pittsburgh, like if we're sitting here on Sunday night or Monday morning and talking about another crap show of a series, then we're probably hitting the panic button, right? Because then you're talking about, you know, at that point, a stretch of eight games where the Blue Jays are not doing well and eight games is the difference between a you know, whatever stat you want to pick, an 86-win team and a 94-win team or whatever, and all of a sudden you're getting into, you know, West Coast road trip 2022 territory where you're going, whatever it was, 1-10. in And so, like, things can unravel from that point, but until we get to that point, I don't think anyone's hitting the panic button. It's one series. So, um, with that in mind, let's talk about some of the positives, and those are the offensive standouts from this series. I think the one that jumps out, at least to me, is Dalton Varsho. Um, you know, I'll admit to it, I was not high on this guy. I kind of ripped him apart in our last episode and said he should have been pinch hit for in that game against Seattle when he hit that walk-off. Um, but since that point, he's really, really turned it around. All of a sudden, he is kind of, maybe not the best offensive hitter on the Jays right now, but certainly one of the hottest guys. You know, he went from a stretch of one, two, three, four straight games where he didn't get on base at all, zero total bases, to the game two against Seattle. He had one hit. Game three against Seattle also had one hit. And then Boston, he opens the series without anything. And then all of a sudden, in game two, three, and four, two hits in game two, including a home run. He had three RBI, six total bases. He had another two hits in Game 3 on Wednesday. He had five total bases. He had another home run in that game. And then today in the series finale, he had another two singles and drove in another run. I know there's been some mechanical changes with him with the leg kick, but it's really encouraging to see him be able to turn things around. We know he's going to be a streaky guy, but if he can, you know... Matt Chapman, April Player of the Month, whatever, he's not going to be able to sustain that for an entire season. If Matt Chapman cools off a little bit and Varsho can heat up a little bit to replace him, that's the perfect scenario in my mind. And if all, if both of them are clicking at the same time, look out. Along with Vladdy, who's another offensive highlight from this series, and Bo, who's kept it going through the month of May so far, if all of these guys can keep going the way they're going right now, the Blue Jays are not going to have a single problem offensively, and they might be able to cover up some of the problems they've been having pitching-wise. So Dalton Varsho, one of the standouts for me this series. Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty pretty noticeable in terms of that 100%. And, of course, once again, it wasn't – the offense was still finding ways to score runs. And, of course, you look at the performance from Dalton Varsho this past series, I mean, he looked way more comfortable. Of course, you talked about the mechanical change with the leg kick. He – pretty much brought it back uh, in terms of what we saw at the beginning of this year. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that had something to do with it. I don't know how much it did. Obviously, that's only a question that he probably can answer, but uh, it's definitely something that he decided to shake things up at the plate based on what happened uh, in the first month of the season for him. And honestly, I don't blame him in terms of just trying to figure something out of, you know, just switch it up. And that's exactly what he did. And of course the results showed or paid off uh, in terms of what happened this past series. And of course, even the past week, I mean, if you look at his overall numbers in the last seven days, he's hitting over 250, uh, an OPS of 850. And of course he's getting on base a ton as well. So this comes with him just 
being way more comfortable at the plate. We already know what he brings defensively, and that was something that never went away, even in the first uh, month of the season where he was struggling. So that was the good part, is that he was still being or going out there every day and still making really big plays uh, in the outfield. And, of course, the fact that he was able to make up for it at the plate or you know perform way better at the plate than what he was doing at the beginning of the year, that makes it just way more you know, th- two times better uh, in terms of what he was doing performance-wise. And, of course, that was the Dalton Varsho that this team traded for. As much as it was relying on defense for, I would say, more than half of it, I think a good chunk comes along with the lefty at-bat, the fact that he can hit a lot of home runs. And uh, that's basically what you saw in terms of flashes of what he did last year and where he just, when Dalton Varsho feels comfortable at the plate. And it just shows you the potential that he can have if he can try and find a way to keep this thing going and be more consistent about it, uh, he's going to be way more dangerous. And, of course, that's going to help the lineup in terms of him and uh, Matt Chapman hitting back-to-back regardless of who is first and who is second. And, of course, like you were talking about, as much as Matt Chapman was the AL Player of the Month and we, we, we talked about how electric all of his numbers were, uh, I don't think we're expecting that sort of performance at that level to sustain itself over the course of six months. So that's going to eventually drop off a little bit. Who knows when it will. But uh, it, when it does happen, like you were talking about, if Varsho can pretty much play better because he was playing, of course, below uh, predicted in terms of expectations. So that was the one thing where it was kind of an underperformance. So if he's able to you know, perform to expectations, maybe surpass them a little bit just because of all the factors that uh, we've talked about, playing on a better team, better ballpark, all that. So if everything can be inflated a little bit from last year, or even be at the same level as last year and, of course, be incorporated in this lineup. It's a much deeper lineup, of course, like we talked about, because there's been guys coming out of the gate who have had slow starts. And, of course, another guy who's pretty much had a slow start is George Springer, who's been uh, leading off for this team right now. So other than him, or pretty much other than George Springer at the top of the lineup, it's been Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Matt Chapman is kind of the big three guys who are hitting the most, uh, I would say, on this lineup. And, of course, now Varsho's going to heat up a little bit. Hopefully Springer can get going. And all that connects to Dalton Varsho because he can definitely make the lineup way better. And, of course, he can be a guy that can exceed uh, some expectations. So I think that's really crucial for that. And, of course, the defense uh, remains great. But it was just good to see him be a little bit more comfortable. And, of course, uh, shout-out to him for pretty much just shaking things up and uh, bringing back the light kick. Yeah. Um, I mentioned Vladdy and I mentioned Bo. Both of them had... Good series. Vladdy had homers in the last two games of this series. He just loves hitting in Fenway, and it showed. He had a hit in all four games. Um, really good series from him. And then Bo Bichette had another five-hit game in the series opener, which, I mean, it's just wild what he's been able to do to start the season and leading the American League in hits once again, which seems like clockwork at this point it's you know if he is able to do it this season again it's early but if he's able to do it this season that'll be three seasons in a row atop the American League in hits I think there's only been like three guys who have had a stretch of three consecutive seasons um, leading the league in hits and so that'll be really really impressive if he can do that but again we're getting ahead of ourselves we still got what four or five months to go before that point um, in terms of offensive I guess negatives, like you mentioned one of them right there, George Springer, like I don't really, I don't know, I I expect him to turn around at some point because he's George Springer and he does and if he's healthy and he's on the field, he's going to be putting up offensive numbers at some point in the season, but I'll be honest, it's taken longer than I expected. I, I really thought we would have already seen a turnaround from him, but besides that opening day performance where he had 
what was it, five hits, four RBI or something like that. Besides that game, we haven't really seen much out of him this season. And so I guess I'm not concerned, but I'm surprised that it's taken him this long and we still haven't seen that standout from him. And again, like some of it is bad luck. Like you look at his baseball savant page, you, you just use eye test and he's been getting a lot of hard contact. Like I'll go back to that near hit he had with the bases loaded in Houston where he lined it to Alex Bregman at third and it's just like this guy can't catch a break and he had a couple balls that died on the warning track and so part of it I think is bad luck and part of it I think will turn but I'm shocked that it hasn't turned yet this season. Yeah it's a bit weird uh what's going on with George Springer and of course for the most part uh, we haven't really been talking about the health, which is good. It's just now we're talking about the slow start, uh, which has been going on. And, of course, it's become very clear, like you were talking about, besides opening day, where, you know, the numbers are down and everything else is down. The one thing he's, you know, he's obviously trying to work through it. There is bad luck, like you were talking about. But, of course, at the same time, there's also been at-bats where he's just uh, hasn't looked as comfortable at the plate. And maybe some, you know, cases where he's just trying to do a little bit too much compared to what, uh, he's done in the past. So I think there's a lot going on in terms of his mindset and everything along the lines of that. But, I mean, it's, it definitely hurts a little bit because he is your leadoff guy. And, you know, I don't know what to make of it uh, in terms of any sort of long-term concern. I think we're all – I'm in the same boat with you that I think at some point we're expecting this to turn around. And he can be, you know, the player that we all know he can be when he's healthy and in this lineup and playing every day. So I think that's the one part – where we we remain optimistic on that part. It's just, it's definitely a little bit bizarre that he's had, I, yeah, this is pretty much the slowest start he's had, uh, you know, as a Blue Jay 100%. I don't know throughout his career if he's had anything slower, but it's definitely a, a low point for him 100% to begin the year. I mean, you just look at everything in terms of his power, uh, in terms of just average and, you know, slugging, everything like that are, is low, and it's down, and a lot of that has come with hard contact, though, so at some point, that's going to level out and increase, but I think a lot of it, too, is him, you know, just needing to put up better at-bats, and I think that's going to come. I mean, he's got tons of experience. We know that he can, or we know what George Springer brings to the table. He's been in the league for quite some time now, so, and he's, of course, he's one of the main pieces of this team in the clubhouse, everything like that, and in the outfield, so I think there's a lot that comes with it where, there's expectations that he will figure a way to get out of it. He's probably been through different or, you know, other slumps throughout his career where he's been, you know, I don't know at this low point, but, you know, just a week or two of bad luck and, you know, just difficult uh, performance I'm sure he's been through before. And we've seen it before a little bit as well when he's been with the team healthy or injured. So I think that um, that's definitely one uh, case to definitely highlight, though. And, of course, Again, it's very noticeable because he's at the top of the lineup, and of course he's hitting in front of Bo and Vladdy and everything like that. So I think that's the one part where once he can get going, uh, it obviously makes at-bats for Bo Bouchette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. even more crucial as well when there's going to be runners on base. You know, the whole nine yards about that in terms of how important it is to get your leadoff guy on and everything like that. So as long as he can stay healthy, continue to get his at-bats, which he's been doing, I think at some point... We're all under, we're in the understanding that he will turn this around at some point. It's just definitely a bizarre way for him to start the year, and the fact that it ha it has taken this long. I mean, this is a over a whole month now where this has happened. Uh, it's definitely something to I think it's something to watch. It's I don't think it's something to be concerned about at this point. And I think uh, from there you just got to see him turn it around on his own. And you know, probably the only person that can do that is him in terms of where to start from and just to, you know, change this and change that or maybe just continue to do what he's doing. And then, of course, the bad luck will start to go away and then he'll finally get through and put up the results that he's been looking to put up.
yeah, I have full faith that that's going to happen at some point. I'm just surprised it hasn't happened yet. And I'm curious how long it's going to take because once you get him clicking alongside Bo and Vladdy and Chapman and maybe Varsho and, you know, Whit Merrifield in that conversation or other guys in the lineup and if Belt turns around and all those sorts of things, like this offense is going to be even more potent than it already has been. But also knowing our luck with the Blue Jays once Springer gets going, Bo and Vladdy and Chap, all those guys are going to cool down and we're going to be uh, tearing out our hair, waiting for this lineup to click. But we can't complain about the offense right now. One thing I will complain about is the defense in this series. And I don't know how much of this was like the crappy weather in Boston. I don't know how much of this was Fenway. I don't know how much of this was just terrible vibes overall across four games. But the defense was not it this series. It was not great. There was, you know, we talked about Varsho having great defense. He had a play in left field where he dropped a fly ball. Springer in right field had a play where he ran over to the foul line and it looked like a ball was going to tail over into the seats. And then it dropped in fair territory and went for a double, um, which, you know, in my mind should be an error, but that's a conversation for another day. We had Alejandro Kirk throwing a ball down to first base when there was clearly no chance of getting the runner at sales pass Vladdy and the runner comes into second. We have uh, pickoffs attempts that go into center field. We have throwdowns from the catcher to second base that go into center field. We have a throw that comes, I don't know if this was on the same play that Varsho dropped, but a throw that came into the infield and there's just no one to get it. And so Vladdy it has was. to run over. And yeah, it's just, just a mess defensively this entire series. And so... Again, this is not something we're concerned about. I don't even think this is something I'm watching for in the upcoming series against Pittsburgh because I know it's going to turn around. It's just some one of those things that, you know, it's, it's just Fenway. It's just Boston. Like, your luck just can't get any worse. When it rains, it pours, and everything fell apart for the Blue Jays this series, including the defense. Yeah, and how fitting that it had to be this, you know, terrible based on how they've been performing uh, over the last four days. So, yeah, like, I, we're not concerned about it. I mean, we all know that they're better than that. Of course, the weather was bad, like you were talking about. You were there to witness that and everything like that. And, you know, there's just, I just think that it kind of just adds on to the bad luck that they've had over the last four days or just the rut uh, that they've been in, of course, uh, over the last series. So I think that kind of all ties into each other. Maybe players, you know, I don't want to say mentally checked out, but I think it's definitely something that they're aware about in terms of the struggles that have happened with this team and, of course, just the results uh, that haven't been showing over the last week. So I think that's something that they're very well aware of in terms of that. And, you know, when that happens, there's a lot of situations and times where people try and do a little bit too much as well to get out of uh, stuff like that. So I think there's just a lot going on there uh, with the defense. Nothing to be con you know concerned about because everyone that they have can play really good defense for pretty much the most part, uh, including the outfield and everything like that. So I think that's one part where... It's not concerning. It's just, it's just a nice cherry on top to a bad week uh, in terms of how this team was finding ways or ways to lose. And I mean, you're committing multiple errors a game. That, let alone, shouldn't be happening. And of course, that's something that's just not a good day uh, on the field whatsoever. So that's something that I don't expect to see too much more throughout the year. But I mean, of course, it will happen again at some point. That's just the course of the season. But it's just how it all it's just it goes back to the entire you know thing in terms of the rotation kind of feeding off of each other and how this all just everything just happened uh, in this series in a negative aspect I just find it really 
weird. And I can't really remember the last time we've seen something like that in terms of just everything crumbling down minus the offense. So maybe it hasn't been, maybe it's been worse before at certain points. I'm sure it has been, but recency bias and everything like that, it just, watching it was tough. And of course we talked about, you know, turning off the TV or whatever. And I think a lot of that also had to do with just plays that weren't being made defensively as well. I mean, I think the pickoff plays for me were one of the most annoying things I saw this weekend where uh, I believe it was Jose Brios who made that play and it went right through the runner's legs and then it goes in the outfield. For me, it's just, it's, it's frustrating. That's all it was. And I, I mean, I'm not here to blame anybody individually because everyone was making mistakes and nobody was really performing at their highest level in terms of defense in the starting rotation. I think it's just something that you pretty much got to get, you know, I'm sure they couldn't wait to get the heck out of Boston uh, after Thursday's game. And it's just something that you got to forget about and turn the page and move forward. Yeah, a little bit of Murphy's Law in Boston. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, okay, well, hopefully things turn a little bit in <laughs> Pittsburgh. You're headed to Pittsburgh for the yes. next couple of days to yeah. see the Jays there. We'll have representation at how many series in a row now? We went. I was in Boston. We were all at Seattle at one point or another. And then who was before that? That was the White Sox. We were at those games. And then before that, they were on the road, right? Yeah, they were on the road before that, and then the last homestand we were there too, which was the first yeah. one of the year. So you and I have been. I mean, Jacob's been lacking on that department, <laughs> but yeah. Okay, but we've had pretty good representation everywhere, so that's pretty good. Um, we just need Jacob to fly down to Philadelphia to see a couple of those games, and we'll keep the streak alive. But yeah, I mean, three games in Pittsburgh. The Jays got Chris Bassett, they got Jose Brios, and then Yusei Kikuchi in the finale for the red-hot Pittsburgh Pirates. The blazing start to a season that they've been off to. They've got Rich Hill in the opener. They have Johan Oviedo. And then they have Ronzi Contreras in the series finale. All names I haven't heard of except for Rich Hill, of course. All of them have ERAs in the fours to give you an idea of where they're at. To start things off, we've got Jacob's prediction for the series, which is that they will win only the Kikuchi game which is the series finale. So he has their losing streak running to seven before they end it finally on Sunday. Bryson, where are you at with the Jays right now? Yeah, I I mean, I just can't see that. I can't see them dropping seven straight. I mean, after what happened this week, though, I guess anything's possible, but I'll be a little bit more optimistic with mine. I mean, we talked about it. I think we're expecting – I mean, I I obviously haven't heard what you're going to say, but for me – I'm expecting them to turn it around a little bit this weekend and play. I'm sure they're going to play a lot better than what they did this week. And of course, Boston is, or sorry, uh, Pittsburgh as well just got swept by the Rays. So that's going to be interesting to see if perhaps they're starting to level off a bit or if it was just the Rays, you know, just the Rays being the most dominant team in baseball and pretty much beating everybody except for the Blue Jays, I may add. So uh, that's obviously a reminder as well of how good this team is when they're playing well as one of the only teams to win a series against the Rays. So. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say they win two out of three. They'll bounce back. I think they win Friday and Saturday, and I'll go uh, the opposite to what Jacob predicted. I'll say they lose the Sunday game. So I think two out of three, which comes with Friday and Saturday wins. I'm going to go with Jacob on this one. I think this team is really, really struggling. I think they lose two out of three. I do think they end the losing streak earlier than Sunday, though. I don't think it goes all the way to seven games. I think... Uh, I'll go they lose game two. They lose the Barrio start, but they win the Bassett start and they win the Kikuchi start on Sunday. Um, I don't know. They're just really struggling right now. And I think like 
it can change on a dime, but I have no reason to believe that, you know, with the Zach Pop injury and no off days and everything we've talked about, I have no reason to believe that that luck will change, especially with how hot the Pirates have been right now. I don't think any of us, anyone on the planet, expects the success the Pirates have had to start the season to continue. But when you're hot, you're hot, and nothing says otherwise right now. There's nothing to prove a point besides the fact that the, the Pirates are a hot team right now, and I think they're going to keep it going at least somewhat against the Jays. So a little bit of a pessimistic way around the horn for the, our series predictions this time, which I think this is... Here, let me check the record. Um, okay, we all predicted a series loss against the Rays, but that was the only time any of us this season have predicted a series loss, I believe. Um, yeah. So, yeah, not a great look so you, for us. But You and Jacob are series losses. Yeah, and you're the Got series it. win. Okay. And just to uh, update, the, <laughs> update the points for this season, uh, we all get negative two points from this series because all three of us said the Jays would take three of four and we could not be more wrong. Um, so the points stand the exact same spot they stood last episode with Bryson leading the way with 22 points. Jacob is at 19 points and I'm in last with 18 points. We'll see how things go this series, but we'll wrap it up there. As always, you can find everything to do with our podcast. The link below this episode. It's also in our social media bios it's link tree slash section 138 pod you can join our discord you can go to our bias coffee page and you can check out everywhere we have podcasts so that's spotify that's youtube that's apple Podcasts, that's everywhere everywhere you find a podcast and you can rate and review our podcast there as well which just helps spread the word about what we're doing all right enjoy pittsburgh bryson we'll catch yes. you on the other side hopefully and we'll see everyone then Sometimes I think it's a shame when I get